Hello, and welcome to another episode of Clark Hill's Credit Eco to Go, Curbside Thought Leadership for Financial Services. My name is Joanne Needleman, and I am a partner at Clark Hill, as well as a member of the firm's Banking and Financial Services Practice Group. My guest today is Ray Peloso, CEO of Catabat, and he also sits on Catabat's board of directors. He brings 25 years of diverse consumer lending experience to Catabat, having held executive leadership roles at Royal Bank of Scotland, Capital One, Citibank, and MBNA. Ray's prior expertise in consumer credit and lending underpins a clear vision and understanding of the challenges faced by Catabat's clients in today's rapidly evolving digital economy. Ray received a BA from Georgetown University and an MBA from Georgetown's McDonough School of Business, where he is currently chairman of the MBA Alumni Advisory Council. Uh, I've noticed on Ray's bio that he skis wherever and whenever possible. Uh, Ray, you're a man after my own heart because I would love, I do the same, but it's been a little tough <laughs> this year, that is for sure. Do you have any plans to go skiing maybe in 2021? I do. First of all, I, hi, Joanne. So delighted to be here with you on this podcast. And uh, oh, Thanks yep. for coming. Yep. It's a personal passion and a family passion. Uh, we, we ski wherever and whenever possible. So we, we're hoping to do some East Coast and some West Coast skiing uh, if we can work out the COVID restrictions. Yeah. Well, good luck to that. Good luck right. to that. So again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and I'm looking forward to our discussion. Um, let, let me kind of set the table a little bit as I, I normally do on my podcast. So as you know, Ray, it's been a busy month in what we call the accounts receivable management industry or ARM industry with the publication of the CFPB's uh, part one of its final collection, final rule and debt collection. And my review of the rule suggests two things. One, I think the Bureau has put a lot of control in the hands of consumers to dictate the rhythm and flow of how they want to be communicated with when it comes to their debts. And I think that that's a new paradigm that we're gonna see. And the second is I I see, and I certainly wanna get your take on that, huge opportunities for technology firms like Acatabat to achieve this objective. And as as not only for the consumer, but for your current and, and prospective users. So with that backdrop, can you talk a little bit about Catabat what it's looking to solve, what it does, and especially given your background in retail banking and how it shaped uh, your platform. Uh, Sure, I'd be delighted to. So thank you. Um, I think these actually work together. So first and foremost, my background and most of my career has been actually on the lending side. So I'm not a technologist by trade. I happen to be CEO of a technology company, but I'll probably make most of my comments more through the lens of the user or the business owner or the operator. Um, And so- I think you're spot on. And frankly, I think that your two points are actually two sides of the same coin. So I think there's no question, and we can talk for for hours and days about the power that has shifted over the course of the last generation to the consumer. So consumer mobility, consumer power are across everything. And and debt collection and and, uh, recovery is no different than any other industry. Um, And that is driven by and enabled by technology. So these are essentially two sides of the same coin. Um, and I do share your um, view that there, there will always be winners and losers. I think it's 
the the business of debt collection is in the midst of a major transformation and um, technology in my view and probably a slightly biased view for sure is that technology is going to power and fuel uh, the transformation that goes on yeah I agree I agree so with your experience uh, in the banking space, which I think is important. I, and, you know, I started Credit Eco to go because for years I have said that, you know, debt collection was always siloed. Um, and I used to, I used to tell Rich Cordray this all the time. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's an ecosystem. I didn't make up the term ecosystem. A lot of people used it, but I always have felt that, you know, we look at debt collection as this last separate part of you know, what happens years after someone takes out a loan. But in fact, it really is all part of this kind of circular logic that goes on in financial services. And so I think, you know, your experience in banking, I think is probably unique for most technology companies because most technology companies start as really bright people who know how to write code, (laughs) who don't necessarily know financial services. So how has your experience, you know, being in retail banking helped you, helped you develop Catabat? Um, Great. So I completely agree. Uh, Back to the earliest days of my career, I've worked at a couple of really great companies and I've worked for some really smart, talented people. And there's no question in my mind that this is a positive or negative loop that occurs, right? So really great credit acquisition policy on the front end has massive implications for account servicing and profitability, has massive implications for um, delinquency and charge off. And that loop repeats itself constantly. So every credit professional understands that. And I've been fortunate enough at every institution I've, I've worked at to have some sort of credit or collections type experience. So I've seen this uh, very smart companies accomplish this ecosystem approach, mm-hmm. um, not silo. Having said that though, organizational dynamics very often come into play, certainly with the larger the institution, which is you subdivide um, teams and units and departments and you subdivide budgets. And so what practically happens quite often to your point is individual units start to silo and solve for local problems versus the larger problem. Um, But at the end of the day, right? The ability to to, um, design and create an effective collection treatment strategy or recovery strategy is actually intertwined with the initial credit acquisition structure and product and policy. And so last point I'll make is actually in multiple places I've worked, I would be perhaps running the collections department, but I often would report into the credit organization. And that's pretty common in the banking industry. So kind of puts a punctuation mark on your point. Absolutely. So tell me how Catabat now that we've established that it does need to be looked at holistically, now that we've established that the Bureau is definitely wanting uh, our industry to be more consumer focused, how a Catabat achieves that? Um, The the non-technical answer is the products we offer our clients accomplish a couple of things. First and foremost, it's um, 
very configurable and very usable for the end user. So I was, I'm an old guy in the stage of my career. I, I recall walking out of my office at a bank and leaning over a cubicle and asking my strategy analyst, hey, can we go try this? And the answer would always be, well, I have to go to some IT prioritization queue and it might take six months. We've eliminated all of that. So most great organizations will have a team of smart people that'll drive strategies segment accounts, design offers, design treatments. Think about, um, am I going to place a phone call? Am I going to place an email? What's going to be in the email? Is it going to be a warm, friendly reminder or more of a stern tone? All of that activity comes out, quote, out of the box with our strategy portal and our workflow portal. And so we offer the client the ability to design the customer experience. And so some, some customer experiences are soft. We're going to send you an email, an SMS. You're going to respond. We're going to have a very soft, light touch. You'll make a payment. The world's a better place. Others, because the creditor, the creditor is smart, knows that you need to design a different treatment. So the first thing our platform does is a lot of power to the user to design treatments. The second fundamental thing our platform does is we have an agent desktop and we have a customer facing portal. So as you design that experience, you want the execution of that experience to match up. And by that, I mean, if you want to make a certain offer to Joanne and she calls the call center, you want to make sure the call center agent has that information. They can interact with that offer and they can work with the client to resolve the debt similarly with the customer portal. And the last point I'll make is the customer might be sitting at their kitchen table, working through kind of an offer and clicking buttons and saying, well, I'm willing to do that, but I'm not willing to do that. And they might get stuck and they might call their bank and say, gosh, I'm stuck. Our platform allows the agent to pick up exactly where the customer is so that it's seamless. And so if I'm a call center agent, I go, oh, Joanne, I see where you are. You're on step seven. And I understand it's kind of a complicated question. So let me pick it up and work with you. So we offer our clients the ability to design and then execute collections and outreach strategies. Right. And I think when you and I had our conversation, you, you, you termed that as workflows. And is, is that similar to what you're talking about now? It is. And so I'll avoid the technical piece. The business sure. user piece of this is, as we all know, in, in many companies, the world changes every 24 hours. So Ray <laughs> might make a payment today and go current. So tomorrow he's out of delinquency. He might miss a payment and roll forward, et cetera. So the world changes every day. And so many companies have a, every 24 hours, they rerun their strategies, apply new scores. And that's kind of what I'll call static. Every 24 right. hours, the right. world updates. Workflow is Joanne kind of comes to the customer portal because she received an offer. She's trying to negotiate. And maybe the, maybe the creditor says, hey, Joanne, tell me your situation, right? Typical collector talk off is tell me your situation. And if Joanne provides, hey, I just lost my job or this happened or that mm -hmm. happened, the workflow component of our platform allows the, a new offer or a revised offer or a better offer to be presented because you can consume new information you can basically run it through your decision process and render hopefully a better outcome that makes Joanne feel like, okay, this, this creditor is willing to work with me and I'm willing to accept that offer. So workflow is um, a word used quite often and right. it can perform a variety of functions, but in this particular use case, it's quite powerful because the goal is to have Joanne engaged and make payment arrangements. Yep. yep. It's really interesting. And I, I, you know, Ray, I've known you for a couple of years now and it seems to me that this, the 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 theory 
of your of your of the software is really somewhat ahead of its time because again if you read the rule it's about adapting to consumers preferences we we call everything that that, that the rule suggests uh, a preference management sort of in, uh, tool that you're going to have and it sounds to me that catabat is doing that already yeah, so I appreciate the kind words. Uh, so thank you. I, I would say this, um, for the technology providers in the industry, there's sort of a list of capabilities that are, that are often cited by the, the buyer as important. And I do believe that we have outstanding coverage of all of the capabilities. I also think other technology providers will provide a subset of those capabilities. And so you would find many of our competitors, for example, would say we have workflow capability or we have channel capability. And that's a true statement. What we feel really good about with respect to our platform is we really feel like we've got very broad coverage of a very long list of capabilities. And, you know, so as a, as a final example, and I'll, then I'll pause, um, it's increasingly important to our clients to have advanced analytic capabilities. And so we have a machine learning score and modeling capability now built into everything we sell, which we didn't have a few years ago. So the, the world is moving quickly. That's now on the league tables of, hey, do you have this, day of that? And um, so we feel like we've got a very um, full set of capabilities that, that meet our clients' needs. Yeah. Well, I think definitely, you know, people throw around AI and machine learning a lot. Um, again, if you read this rule, it seems to me those capabilities are going to be critical in trying to manage, again, all these preferences and ensuring that uh, consumers, the consumer choice is adhered to because consumers can change their mind, <laughs> you know? And I, it's funny, uh, CFPB years ago, when it was looking at debt collection, one of the concerns they always had with it is that consumers can't think with their feet. When it comes to debt collection, you don't get to pick your debt collector. You can pick your bank, you can pick your auto dealer, um, and so again, I think the architect of the, the architecture of this rule, the foundation of this rule, is allowing cons is giving consumers so much more power and choice, but it's also giving them opportunities to change their mind <laughs> a lot, <laughs> and we're going to have to manage that. And I think uh, you know all, all those those neat things like AI and machine learning are going to be really, really critical. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, um, there's a word we use a lot that I'll try to bring to life to um, agree with your point. And that the word we use is orchestration. And so yes. when you read the CFPB, there's a tremendous amount of content and the content spans the entirety of the operational and, and, and compliance organization. Right. Yep. And so any individual person can solve a specific point but the entirety of the spectrum is actually quite complicated. And so, Absolutely. for example, what our clients will use our platform now very specifically is acquiring consent. All mm -hmm. right. So your initial interaction is we can present the workflow that says, hey, do we have your consent? And you can put the disclosures in. And, and the big point here is the and statement. And then we can help the client send a certain communication and we can then sort of help the client understand the response. And it's the the what I call the and statements, the orchestration across the entirety of the reg that becomes actually quite important to the buyer. Because yeah. at the end of this, they need to prove and have evidence, <laughs> right? Right. To, right? To the regulator that they accomplished all these things, which That's is super right. important. Excellent point and description. Um, one final 
area that I want to kind of explore a little bit. And, and uh, you've touched on it a little bit um, a few minutes ago, this idea of self-service. Uh, it, it, it clearly, as you said, a consumer comes onto your portal and says, this happened to me today. And you, your, your users have to be able to pivot and accommodate that consumer for that particular situation. I, I see within this rule that self-service is going to become really important. Uh, and, and I think that all consumers now the idea of self-service, I mean, you know, you got, you go on your bank, online banking every day. I do too. We all go to Amazon. We, you know, we all order what we need to order. So we all are, you know, pretty much able to take care of ourselves. And I think the same has to be said for the debt collection industry as well. But I wonder, does the idea of self-service, um, do away with collectors or do you see collectors in a different role? Yeah, great question. Um, uh, first and foremost, I completely agree. And I think analogies to concepts like Amazon are actually quite helpful, right? Cool. So Amazon has basically removed the walk into the store and pick your sweater off the, off the rack and go to the counter. Um, so, so I'm influenced in my response here by my background in lending. And mm -hmm. so I spent a lot of time and a lot of years thinking about um, the behavior of the payer, the debtor. And so um, we very often spend time with clients that there's an entire segment of um, clients, customers who, who actually want self-service. They want information at their disposal. They can sit at their kitchen table and your ability to present that information and engage with, with those clients has always been important, but is increasingly important as the rest of their life has moved mobile and right. digital. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's super important, but there's also a corollary to that, which is um, the there is still a really important role for a really talented collector. And so I'll I'll probably overgeneralize first, but then drill in. You know, I think in the old days, because I haven't done this work in quite a while, you would have like a hundred hours of a collector but a high percent of those hours would generally be unproductive because the collector is dialing and right. dialing and getting wrong right. answers. Mm -hmm. And I think the data still holds that, you know, you're paying for the hundred hours, but the, the, the person might be productive for a very small percent of that. And so with that as a setup, where I see this all going is that you have these incredibly talented collectors who have built tremendous skills and you actually substantially increase the percent of their time productive because you're skimming off the self-service people who didn't want you to call them anyway. So in my mind, that's a pattern I see continuing. And, and frankly, a lot of situations absolutely warrant human interaction. So you want that experienced collector there available to handle that situation. I, I couldn't agree more. And when you and I talked about it the other day, I've, I've kind of been repeating it to others in, in conversations that I had, because I think it is, it, it is so important. And again, it goes back to the consumer choice. You and I know, did you ever try to uh, change your airline reservation on the phone? <laughs> you know, uh, please hit zero. You know, you want to talk to somebody, hit zero. Now consumers can hit operator and talk to 
the collector when they decide they want to talk to the collector. And you're right. It, it positions now your best collectors to handle the most unique or difficult situations. And, um, I, you know, I, it's going to be it, it's going to be interesting. I, I agree. I think there is still definitely going to be a need for collectors, but it, it's going to be the room's size is going to be different. And the people that you have in those positions are going to be very, very different than what you had before. So um, I'll, I'll use um, I'll play another silly reality to you. Um, many lenders now appropriately are trying to build a digital only experience or primarily, yep. you know, yep. apply online, get your product online and it's great. And it's surprising to this day, how many actually back to your silo comment, get into the default component of the relationship. And all of a sudden it turns into a telephony based interaction. It's, right. it's, it's actually surprising how common that is. Yeah, you spent absolutely. the entirety of your brand experience with the customer to be digital and contemporary, but that, that customer goes delinquent and all of a sudden it's, you know, letters and phone calls. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's why I think there's, there's some, as I said, I think there's lots of opportunities in this rule to change that. Um, well, Ray, thank you so much. Uh, I, I always love talking to you and I, I think you bring some terrific perspective to this. And I, and I look forward to seeing Catabat uh, moving forward and, and seeing how it can implement this rule uh, to the benefit of all your users. And as I said, your prospective users. So before I let you go, um, we this is a to-go theme webinar. And I ask all my guests about their favorite takeout to-go experience while you've been sheltering in place for these numerous months. And I was wondering if you have an experience you can share with us. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for the kind words, Joanne. It's always yeah. a pleasure to catch up with you as well. So thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. Um, so my experience is interesting in that my my wife and I moved in July, which was a whole complication in and of itself with COVID. Um, and you know, you, we spent the first three, four, five weeks just trying to get settled and sort things out. But you get past Labor Day, and I, I live in Connecticut, New England, mm -hmm. and it cools off. And we didn't want um, to ha we don't socialize much, but we we wanted to see certain friends and and do it in a controlled way. So we bought um, basically a stove, like a fire pit, right? And we in the fall started putting it out in our front lawn, our front yard, and we've actually met all sorts of neighbors. And it's all been careful and socially distant, but we have found a way to meet new neighbors in a new community and begin to build bonds in all a COVID friendly way. So it's been a really positive experience um, and just a small little anecdote that I'd share. So we're sort of finding ourselves connecting with a lot of people and doing it in a responsible way. That's a terrific story. Uh, and glad to hear it and good luck on your move. Um, Thanks. That, that, that must have been an interesting uh I don't know how you move in COVID, but it was hard. It was hard. <laughs> if I have to, I'll call you and ask for some advice. Um, so finally, you know, I, I did start this for whatever reason, I did start this podcast in the middle of a pandemic and it is a to-go theme podcast. And, you know, part of it was I did want to talk about issues that I think are important and I've been involved with for 25 plus years. But I also wanted to use the podcast as a little bit of my own platform uh, to talk about um, issues that were impacting people and identifying organizations that were helping people, um, you know, during this time, which I thought was only going to be a couple months. Um, I'll, just a quick aside, uh, I was reading something uh, recently and, um, you know, after nine months of being in COVID, there are 54 million people who have food insecurities. And that really, um, 
Wow. That, that really, that really, you know, it, 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 it takes, it goes to heart. It really does. And um, so w- what I wanted to do with the podcast was to recognize and have my guests identify organizations that were helping uh, people in your local or regional community uh, that certainly have been, pack- been impacted by the pandemic. And I'm hoping that you have an organization that you can identify. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of great organizations, but one that we know locally that's been really impactful, primarily for um, healthcare workers, but also um, with sort of you know um, disadvantaged folks is um, uh, it's four dash ct. So the the brand is four ct. So it's www.4-ct.org. Um, so they're really helping healthcare workers and frontline workers here in the local community, and we think it's really important. That, that's great. We've had a lot of um, entities who are feeding frontline workers, yep. who are helping, you know, believe it or not, there's a shortage of frontline workers and helping, you know, replace some temporary people. So thank you. Um, uh, we are happy to make a small de- donation on your behalf and, and we look forward to getting in touch with them. So again, Ray, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. And many thanks to our Credit Eco to Go uh, loyal listeners for tuning in and logging on. All episodes of Credit Eco to go can be found on Buzzsprout and Spotify. Information on our podcast can also be found on my clarkhill.com bio page, as well as on my LinkedIn page. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have ideas for future show topics, please email us at creditecotogo at clarkhill.com. Thank you, be well, and stay safe. This podcast is intended for general education and informational purposes only and should not be regarded as either legal advice or a legal opinion. You should not act upon or use this publication or any of its contents for any specific situation. Recipients are cautioned to obtain legal advice from their legal counsel with respect to any decision or course of action contemplated in a specific situation. Clark Hill PLC and its attorneys provide legal advice only after establishing an attorney-client relationship through a written attorney-client engagement agreement. This recording does not establish an attorney-client relationship with any recipient.